Welcome to MedTalk Idaho, presented by Idaho Urologic Institute and Surgery Center of Idaho. We are broadcasting from Meridian, Idaho. I'm Barb Nielsen, PR and Marketing Director for Idaho Urologic Institute and the Surgery Center of Idaho. Our podcast today is a getting to know you interview with Dr. Joe Williams, one of our board certified urologists here at IUI and SCI. Dr. Williams is also the medical director of Surgery Center of Idaho. Welcome Dr. Williams and thank you for joining us. Thank you. So Dr. Williams, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were raised, your family, uh, what you do for fun, hobbies, sports, or special interests, that kind of thing? Well, I'm a native Idahoan. I was born in Moscow. Um, my fam, my, my dad then was, um, was um, a marketing specialist and got into management with Weyerhaeuser Company, which is wood products. And so uh, we ended up moving out of the Northwest and I spent most of my life in the Southeastern United States, mainly in Arkansas. So I went to college at University of Arkansas, I'm a Razorback, and I went to medical school at University of Arkansas for medical sciences and literati. Then um, I joined the Navy to take advantage of scholarship opportunities and I ended up training at National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. The name has changed and, and the new name is Walter Reed Military Hospital. And so that took me um, through a 10 year military career uh, as a urologist, uh, very gratifying, very rewarding and very interesting stuff. Uh, but I wanted to um, ultimately practice in the civilian sector. And so uh, having finished training in um, at, at National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda in 1995, uh, my first tour as a urologist in the Navy was at Naval Hospital Pensacola in Pensacola, Florida. And I was there for three years. And then I got out of the Navy and came to Idaho and established uh, my practice um, in 1998 and I've been here ever since so about 21 years. Um, Idaho fits like a glove. Again it's my home but uh, I know I was meant to live here and finish out my career here. Um, I enjoy the outdoors uh, uh, intensely. I've toured most of Idaho and uh, many many aspects of the western United States. So I like to um, I like to backpack and ski and run uh, with family and friends. And also, you uh, do some running as well, right? Some some running, some team, uh, team, <laughs> some team running. The, the, the several groups of friends uh, have developed this um, this hobby of doing uh, relay races. We we ran hood to coast the past five years and we've also um, ran several Ragnar trail relays which are a ton of fun and we're actually going to run the, the Ragnar relay race out of Bend uh, in August so everybody's really excited about that it's a brand new Ragnar site so it's a lot of fun. And you've done the sawtooth. The yes, relay yes, we've done the, done the sawtooth relay, and that's a lot of fun. That's great. Um, so if you hadn't become a doctor, what, what line of work do you think you would have uh, 
pursued? That's a really good question. Um, in, in medicine, you are able to kind of interview uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of people and get to know their professions. I certainly did in the, in the Navy, having spent 10 years in the Navy I, and, and had some operational time, I was able to, to understand the job pressures and the job aspects of, of several aspects of, of active duty naval service. And that was, that was really interesting. Um, to become a pilot would have been a lot of fun. Um, I, I had eyesight for it, but uh, just didn't have that aptitude, but that would have been interesting. Um, I think, though, probably I would have turned out becoming a lawyer uh, in, in medicine and in law and in car mechanics and in plumbing. Uh, you end up taking care of really intensively important problems that patient that that people come up with. And uh, just like in medicine, I think I think um, a, a law practice would have would have afforded being able to help people work through serious complicated problems um, and so so I think I think being a lawyer would probably have been a, a neat thing to get into also and why did you choose urology so in urology we first of all it's surgical and I realized uh, early on in my medical school experience that that taking care of medical problems that that had uh, that had surgery mixed in them was was appealing uh, that's this kind of a, a gut feeling that that we all have in medical school I, I went back and forth and changed my mind maybe 20 times as to what I actually wanted to get into but then in internship I realized that in urology we take care of problems that are very important to patients, they're either in pain or really bothered, or they have a serious cancer. Uh, that that we can pretty effectively take care of. Uh, and and when it comes to urologic oncology, we we cure cancer very frequently, and that's that's quite gratifying. And patients are are very pleased. We don't we don't have a, a long term gratification problem in urology. We're usually able to fix um, painful or worrisome uh, conditions relatively simply and quickly uh, with our surgeries and therapeutics. There's a nice mix of, of clinical medicine in urology mixed in with surgery and so that's also appealing. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's really why uh, I was attracted to urology. Uh, in the training program at National Naval Medical Center uh, when I was an intern, the urologists were a great group of folks, uh, and they they looked like they were uh, intensively uh, and vigorously um, uh, after uh, their day-to-day -day existence in urology, and they also had fun and were a very affable group of people. So I was attracted. Uh, a little bit ago, I mentioned that you are board certified. Could you explain to um, to us what that means? Board certification in the United States is actually a pretty important thing. Um, it demonstrates 
that a person has gone through a formal training program, uh, meeting uh, in, in, in surgical subspecialties, criteria for the numbers of cases that have been done, uh, criteria for the, the uh, types of experiences that uh, a urologist has, uh, and, and then um, the, the candidate for board certification goes before a, a very vigorous testing process. And, and once a person passes through board certification, they, they can feel very confident that they have kind of been through the gauntlet and, and they are acknowledged by experts in the field as competent and, uh, and qualified to, to practice a specialty. To have a, a board certification is more and more necessary for hospital privileging throughout the United States. Uh, that is that is not necessarily the case in other countries, uh, and so that's that's partially why uh, medicine in the United States is is the best in the world, because most people that practice medicine are board certified. In in urology, the American Board of Urology is one of the most vigorous testing processes, um, and I'm and I'm kind of proud of that. So it's uh, it's an important thing, and, and I'm and I'm pleased to be here. You mentioned um, you've been here in Idaho. So how long have you been in practice and has it been in the Navy and in Idaho only or have you practiced it in other states or countries? Uh, and never never practiced um, uh, in, in other countries other than an operational experience uh, in the Navy. I, I was uh, privileged to serve in Desert Storm and that meant I spent nine months on uh, the helicopter carrier uh, United States ship Iwo Jima and um, I was a general medical officer and I took care of non-flying marine um, air units and that was um, that was really really interesting so that I guess that means I, I practiced in other countries uh, that was the Mediterranean and uh, the Red Sea and uh, the Gulf of Oman and the uh, Persian Gulf um, so, um, beyond that, uh, I've just practiced in the Navy um, and here in Idaho. Thanks. Do you have a urologic specialty or a fellowship or a special area of interest that you like to share? I'm, I, I consider myself a general urologist. I, I can take care of, of pretty much everything in urology, but if there is uh, something that I don't do much of, or if one of my partners has uh, expertise beyond beyond my experience, I, I have a very low threshold to have my patients see my partners or or, or other consultants. Um, uh, but generally speaking, I I take care of a lot of kidney stones, and I take care of a lot of um, cancer problems. I I see pediatric patients. Um, and I see uh, men and women for their urologic problems. So I'm a, I'm a general urologist. Uh, a lot of my time actually has become devoted to um, uh, professional medicine. I've been um, blessed with being able to serve on the board of the Ada County Medical Society locally, and now I'm on the board of the Idaho Medical Association. 
which is in, intensively interesting in that uh, we're able to to meet and gather and 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 get consistent consensus opinions from across the state uh, representing uh, physicians in Idaho uh, as it relates to how we interact with the legislature. And so that is uh, that is something that's taken a, a lot of my time and a lot of my interest in the past um, eight years. I was privileged to serve on the uh, Idaho State Board of Medicine for six years. Um, and also I currently am on the board of uh, Independent Doctors of Idaho we uh, are a group representing physicians that are uh, in independent practice, not employed by hospital systems. Uh, and we actually have uh, the most um, uh, successful uh, plan uh, with insurance products with Blue Cross of Idaho, the largest uh, payer in the state, uh, with uh, our insurance product network called iPaid, independent um, Physician uh, Association of Idaho. So that takes a lot of time also. Uh, which hospitals in the Valley do you have privileges uh, to is perform surgeries, that kind of thing? And can you explain to the, our listeners what basically privileges means? So when a physician applies for privileges, uh, they, they present their credentials to the medical staff of the medical staff office of the hospital. And if, and if the, the physician meets criteria, they, they are allowed to bring patients into the hospital and care for them at the hospital. Uh, myself and my partners enjoy privileges at all of the hospitals in the Valley, with the exception of West Valley and Caldwell and St. Luke's. Um, hospital in Nampa. So we, we, we're all over the place with our privileges. So could you um, tell me what you would describe as your philosophy of care and maybe share with our listeners a little bit of what you would describe as your communication style? That's a, that's a big question. Uh, I would have to say that when I see a patient, I want to uh, get to their their problem from a pathologic standpoint as as quickly and as effectively and as painlessly as we can. Uh, especially when I'm seeing a new patient, frequently we're doing a couple of diagnostic or therapeutic moves all at the same time, as long as the therapeutics don't interfere with each other, so we can we can get the patient fixed as quickly as as we reasonably can. So that's a priority. Uh, I like to direct patients toward medical therapies and non-invasive uh, therapies before uh, we resort to surgical options. Sometimes, uh, of course, in an emergency situation, surgery is necessary urgently. Uh, but in urologic uh, disease processes, we usually can take a deliberate um, uh, process in getting patients through attempts at medical therapy before we before we dive in for, for surgical therapies. Again, uh, in doing surgery on a urologic patient, we're usually able to uh, to to help patients be comfortable and, and uh, at least knowledgeable about a cancer process. Um, it's 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 really important 
in urology when patients are frequently in, intensively concerned with lots of anxiety about their condition to have good communication. So half half of the the challenge in urology is explaining everything we do as completely as we can and in language that the patient can understand. Um, frequently, if I'm talking to a patient about a cancer problem, most of what I'm saying is going over their head. So we really have to circle back around, make sure that they've had good understanding of our conversation. Uh, and sometimes I have to see patients back a second or a third time uh, for similar conversations to make sure that they have uh, a good understanding of, of their condition and what we need to do uh, for them. So I, I would have to say that, that communication um, is, is a very important part of urologic care and it takes most of our time. So do you have a favorite success story that you'd like to share with us? You know, it's, it's really gratifying. Um, I, I was actually having a conversation with a, with a lawyer uh, this last weekend about that kind of a theme. And I, and I explained to him that, that we score a touchdown virtually every day in the clinic, either at making somebody feel better or alleviating um, a bothersome condition or in, or in curing a cancer. Uh, so we have a lot of success stories in urology. I, I would have to cite two instances uh, that immediately come to mind. We, we performed, um, this happened, gosh, 12 years ago. Uh, we performed a placement of an inflatable penile prosthesis in a patient who we had followed for several years with an erectile dysfunction issue. Um, and and he, was, he was so pleased with his return of function in being able to um, ha have a wholesome intimacy with his wife uh, now that we had placed the penile prosthesis uh, very successfully that he volunteered to be uh, be a spokesperson to to speak with patients that that were very nervous about that kind of an operation or had questions about that kind of an operation uh, he he wanted to speak with somebody who had had the uh, procedure and he, he came back around and and he is now spoken to many, many patients uh, about his experience, and he is very helpful at alleviating anxiety about, about that kind of surgery. So that, that was a pure success story that, that continues to be rewarding for, for us, for our patients, and for that patient. Um, another, another success story that comes to mind actually isn't one of my cases uh, the patient was taken care of by one of my partners several years ago, but he's become uh, a dear friend. He is one of my running buddies. Um, he underwent testis cancer surgery and therapy. Uh, he underwent multi multimodal therapy for testis cancer to include um, big time chemotherapy. Uh, his chemotherapy included a, a medication called uh, bleomycin, which that can affect lung function. Uh, now the guy is in his mid forties. He has one testis. That, that testis gives him enough testosterone to make him a master's class runner. Uh, he has no problem with lung function. He's one of the toughest guys I know. He's a banker. 
um, and um, and it's it's very gratifying to to know him and to talk about his medical care. He uh, he doesn't uh, uh, shirk from from talking about his uh, past condition that he's now cured from, and he's um, he's fully functional and and uh, uh, very healthy. So he's. He's a success story that, that I like to cite, and he knows that I like to cite this case um, when, when asked this kind of a question. So, um, sounds like there's a lot of gratification in being a urologist, and is there anything else that you'd like to add as far as what you find most gratifying in being a urologist? Well, man, as, as, I, as I've said, uh, many urologic conditions are, are intensively symptomatic. Uh, it's frequently um, uh, cited that, that having a kidney stone is one of the, uh, the most painful conditions that a person can have. Uh, I witnessed my son uh, when he was 14 with a kidney stone. Uh, I was on call and he burst into uh, our bedroom and he was writhing in pain and I thought this is either appendicitis or it's a kidney stone and I happened to be on call for the valley that night we uh, we took him to the emergency room and he got a CT scan which showed a small stone that he passed within 24 hours but uh, the, the, the degree of seeing uh, somebody who you love in your family be in such intense pain really brought home my profession um, and, and the drama of it all so when you can take somebody who is in that degree of pain and bother and and foster them being fixed, uh, that's that's gratifying for, for the patient and and also for myself as a as a surgeon. That's great. So, what do you feel is the biggest medical advancement made in neurologic care in the last twenty five years? There have been many. Um, we could go on and on about, about uh, advanced prostate cancer care, which has been revolutionary in the last five years. I would say five to eight years. I, I would have to say that the biggest impact we've had is, is not something that you read about uh, in light in, in this light in, in the newspapers, but, but the development of the PSA blood test in the early 90s. Uh, I, I was in training in that time frame and, and suddenly we had a blood test that if we tracked it effectively, we could identify prostate cancer in early stages uh, prior to that cancer becoming metastatic. And, and since the early 90s in tracking serial PSA measurements in men um, with effective treatments, we have, we have dropped mortality from prostate cancer significantly. It's one of the big success stories in oncologic care. Um, and, I, and I would have to say that in the last 25 years, that, that would be my best answer. Um, I would also have to cite uh, our, our multimodal therapies for the broad category of testis cancer. Testis cancer is the, the, the most common solid tumor in young men. Um, it was universally deadly. In, um, in, the, in the 70s and, and before the 70s, uh, classic old movie uh, about Brian Piccolo on the Chicago Bears, um, they, they really didn't make much about the details of, of his cancer problem, but he died of testis cancer. 
Um, and now we have examples like Lance Armstrong, who won seven Tour de France's after multimodal therapy for testis cancer. Uh, Jack Swigert, the uh, the astronaut that was made uh, famous by Kevin Bacon's performance in the movie Apollo 13, uh, was elected to Congress after he was an astronaut, but he was never uh, able to go to Washington because he uh, died of testis cancer, and that was in the 70s. Uh, now we cure testis cancer 95% of the time. Uh, it takes a lot of work for the patient and for radiation oncologists and medical oncologists, but now we've turned that cancer category around from a deadly cancer to one that we can pretty uh, reliably cure uh, almost uh, in all cases. Wow, that's, that's great. So I understand that you are involved in uh, research at Idaho Urologic Institute. Are there any new treatments for urologic care on the horizon that you are ex excited about? Sure. Uh, there, we, we're, we're very pleased um, that when we um, came into uh, being in, in 2005, uh, developing our practice, we, we dedicated ourselves to uh, performing uh, medical research at our institute. So, so companies that are developing new medications, new devices, approach us um, as one of the, the most successful uh, independent research sites in our state and actually in our region. Um, and so we've been able to be part of uh, cutting edge therapies for Peyronie's disease, prostate cancer, bladder cancer, kidney stone care. Uh, and that's, that's a, a very gratifying uh, part of my uh, daily life. I would have to say that the new treatments that are the, the most interesting that are, that are going on right now, uh, I mentioned before, um, therapies for, for advanced prostate cancer. Uh, eight to 10 years ago, if a patient had metastatic disease, meaning prostate cancer that had spread throughout their body, and our initial therapeutics failed, that we really didn't have many uh, options and frequently we referred those patients to, uh, to hospice care. Uh, and now I can, I can say that, that prostate cancer has become a disease of chronic management. Uh, we, we can't cure metastatic prostate cancer, but we can manage the disease process very effectively uh, for, for many, many years in patients now. Um, I'm, I'm sad to think of, of cases prior to 10 years ago of guys, young and old, who died prematurely uh, looking back through the lens of the therapeutics that we now have. Uh, so we're, we're very pleased to participate in, in research that, that has enabled that effort. The, the effort has been uh, trailblazed by oncologists and urologists uh, in the United States and, and around the world. And, and we're right there at the cutting edge uh, in, in those ranks. And that's, that's very gratifying. So I would have to say prostate cancer uh, care. Uh, an, another area of revolutionary change is how we treat metastatic renal cell carcinoma. Uh, in other words, uh, cancer that arises out of the kidney, but also bladder cancer. Uh, 
uh, we we uh, are seeing a, a similar revolution in in bladder cancer and in kidney cancer. Uh, it's it's becoming more and more uh, again a disease of chronic management, and so that's uh, that's also uh, very very gratifying and very dramatic. Well, Dr. Williams, I want to thank you for visiting with us today. And um, is there anything else you'd like to add? No. Sign no, off. I don't think so. All right. Well, for further information about Dr. Williams or any of the services at Idaho Urologic Institute or Surgery Center of Idaho, please call 208-639-4900 or go to our website at www.idurology.com. Thanks. <laughs>